Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello! Welcome to the A to Z Sports Big Orange Podcast. I'm Charlie Burris here with my co-host and A to Z Sports Tennessee writer, Zach Reagan. Wherever you listen throughout the world, we thank you so much for listening to us. Zach and I talk everything balls every week here on the Big Orange Podcast. If that sounds good to you, go over to the A to Z Sports Podcast Network feed. On uh, Apple, Spotify, rate, review, subscribe. And if you subscribe, you won't miss an episode. I'm at Charlie underscore Burris. Zach is at Zach DNT and at A to Z Sports on Twitter and Instagram. Facebook.com slash A to Z Sports Nashville and A to Z Sports Nashville. For everything that Zach writes, you can hear it in the intro music. It's game week, folks. Tennessee football is finally here. Bowling Green, Vols, Neyland Stadium, Thursday, September 2nd. What, uh, just a short two days from now from when we are recording. Zach, are you hyped about the start of Tennessee football? How are you? I'm not going to lie. I had to fight the urge to throw in a little woo there. And I know there, <laughs> I know there are plenty of folks on Twitter who would do not care for that, but... Uh, those are probably the same ones who would want to arrest you for playing this version of Rocky Top. But you mean the I'm greatest okay version it. of Rocky Top that exists? <laughs> <laughs> I'm okay with any version of Rocky Top, honestly. Because, and I think most people are because if you're in a public place outside of Tennessee, you you hear this played while you're on vacation somewhere. It doesn't matter which version of Rocky Top it is. You're getting hype. You're up there singing along to every word it doesn't matter if it's this version the osborne brothers it doesn't matter what it is you're you're getting excited and it really is ubiquitous like people i feel like people who don't even really know college sports that well even you know if you went to like new york city and you went and you played rocky top you were like who is this for they would go oh tennessee i think like it is really widely known and you can you really can you can play this anywhere and you'll that's my grandmother would say. You could throw a dead cat and hit a Tennessee fan <laughs> uh, anywhere around here. Uh, anywho, it really is game week. We can get down to business here. Uh, Tennessee, Bowling Green, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time uh, on Thursday. We're going to break it down, give a preview of the game and a, pr- a preview of the entire season, um, which should be really fun. We'll give our predictions. So, that at the end of the year, we can look back and see how terrible our predictions were. We need, we really need to do that for last year. I didn't think to do it because it was all the Pruitt nonsense. We never had a real decompression episode. 
um, because it went from end of season to fire Pruitt time. <laughs> we didn't have like a review session. Uh, yeah, I need to go do that this week. See what we said. But uh, we'll we'll preview all of that. But we'll start the episode by saying today, Josh Heupel, breaking typical conventions in college football. He announced uh, who his starting quarterback will be before the game. Normally, uh, Butch Jones, Pruitt, it was keep you guessing until the game starts when the quarterback trots out onto the field. That's when you'll know who the quarterback is. Josh Heupel said, no, go ahead. Here's who it is. I don't care that you know. Good, come, come and take it. That's what he said. And the starting quarterback for Tennessee is going to be Joe Milton, the Michigan transfer. What did you think about this, Zach? I was really interested to see how Josh Hyper went about announcing this. I kind of thought that it would be a game day thing where Valtwest most likely reported around like two or three o'clock, a few hours before kickoff. Hey. Joe Milton's going to be the number one quarterback. I didn't really think he was going to announce it today. So I was kind of surprised when he announced it before he took any questions, which obviously if he was going to announce it, that would be the time. We all knew it was going to be Milton. No surprise. Uh, he, he'd been getting the first team reps lately. We've heard those reports. It seemed like he'd been separating himself a bit from Harrison Bailey and Hendon Hooker. Really, I, I wrote about it a little bit earlier today. It was the only choice Hypo had. Joe Milton has the biggest upside of this group. He has the physical tools, the size. He's he's not lightning fast, but he's fast enough to make defenders miss in the open field. I think he's been clocked anywhere in like the 4.6, 4.7 range in the 40. Very strong arm. Says he can throw it 85 yards. It's hard not to play a guy that has that type of you know tool set that he can put out there on the field. If it doesn't work, you still have Bailey and Hooker, but I'm a firm believer you've always got to go with the guy that has the most upside. That's obviously Milton. Michigan signed him for a reason. It didn't work out there. The talent's still there. We'll see if Hypo can unlock it. I'm genuinely excited to see the potential here because every everything you said could not be in agreement more. I mean, it just looks like physically it's there for this kid. Don't know. We'll we'll see if his head's in the game. That is obviously a massive part of it. But it looks like physically it's there. Uh, and I, and we need to see how how's his. I guess the chemistry is the right word. The way that he he rocks with those other guys out there. And this is actually this came across. This was from Vol calls. I believe it was going on earlier tonight. I wasn't uh, listening, but uh, this was from our friend Ben McKee. He said, this was Josh Heupel on Joe Milton. Joe has done a tremendous job from the moment he got here. His physical gifts are unique, and he has great command of what we're doing. He brings great energy to our football team, and that has shown up in scrimmages and during practice. Our guys believe in Joe. Oh, yes, that is what I like to hear about a quarterback at the University of Tennessee, because you know who they didn't believe in? <laughs> Jerry They, I'm not sure that they, they had a whole lot of confidence in what JG was putting out there. Um, but if you can get a guy who can rally this team and really lead the offense, and, and lead the offense, you know, where where the leadership is not coming from 
from the skill positions like with Juwan Jennings a couple years ago, like that's good. But he's not the the quote unquote field general. He's not the quarterback. I mean, he just isn't the guy who's going to touch the ball on every single down. Uh, and so, if you if this is true, if Heupel's not just blowing smoke and saying that because he has to or whatever you might the you know the conspiracy theorists might think, that's exciting to hear. It is really really exciting to hear. Um, I mean, this team. We were talking before we came on air about sort of what we had said about Pruitt earlier in the season last year before like the Kentucky game and when it all just came smashing downhill um, was basically like this team's a quarterback away. They are now a lot of guys have left, but you still specifically on offense where Milton is um you you have pretty good dudes at the skill positions. So is this the the quarterback that we were away from? I you know that would be nice. Uh, of course, we've said it all off season. The defense is really the giant giant question mark with Heupel. But just just to see this and see the comments and what hit, what the you know other players on the team say about this guy, I think hopefully he he can be the dude. Yeah, they, they need somebody that has some energy. It's been really since Josh Dobbs was at Tennessee in, in 2016 that you really had a guy on the field that was that field general that just led the team, that was the true leader of the offensive side of the ball at quarterback. They didn't have that in Jared Garantano. They didn't have it in Quentin Dormady. You know, they just haven't had it with any of the number of guys that they've tried at quarterback. If Joe Milton has that type of energy and the players believe in him, then that's encouraging to go along with the physical tools, what he can do on the field. Hopefully he can, you know, he had some issues at Michigan. Um, Sometimes he throws the ball too hard. He doesn't throw the ball with touch all the time. Uh, Sometimes it's tough for receivers to catch. He doesn't have to throw an 80 mile an hour bullet on, on every pass. Hopefully he gets that under control. Otherwise, you know, it's a guy that a play breaks down. Who's going to tackle him? He's going to outrun the linebackers. Yeah. Safeties aren't going to be able to take him down. I mean, that's exciting to think about. If he's as fast as Dobbs, maybe a little faster, bigger, harder to tackle, That that's something that, you know, that might win you a game. When it's, when it's third and 12 and the play breaks down and he gets that first down to keep the drive alive, that's something Tennessee was missing with Garantano, the dual threat quarterback who never panned out to be an actual dual threat quarterback. Some of the other uh, names that got, I guess, talked about today because they just they put out an actual depth chart, which <laughs> that was something that Butch was not fond of and um, Pruitt either. They like to play all those games. That they really just laid it out here. I mean, some of the guys that are going to be around Joe Milton, um, the offensive line will be Cooper Mace at center. Uh, you have Darnell Wright at left tackle, Jerome Carvin at left guard, right guard, Javante Spragans, or uh, and then in right tackle, Cade Mays. And then in the in the skill positions, Bayless looks like she's going to be your number one wide receiver, Jalen Hyatt, Javante Payton, Walker Merrill, Jimmy Callaway. Cedric Tillman uh, at wide receiver. Um, 
And then Tyon Evans and Jabari Small were the two primary backs. Uh, and so all those guys, it's it's a lot of potential. Obviously, we've seen flashes from Jalen Hyatt, from Jabari Small, from Cedric Tillman. Some of these guys, like we have seen some stuff from where you kind of go like, they're probably they're probably gonna be good. Like they're they're gonna put uh put some talent out there. Tight end, Jacob Warren or Princeton Fant. You know, your guess is as good as mine as far as how that's going to turn out. <laughs> but, you know, it does seem like on the offensive side of the ball, with Joe Milton heading things up, this could be a pretty decent product. When when I look at that, I mean, you have uh, Cooper and Cade anchoring that that line with Darnell Wright, who was also a five-star. If he can come into form, Jerome Carvin was like a four-ish star, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, and so... You you have a unit that is, it seems like it should be there to put some points up on the board. Defense, I mean, it's just, you go through this defense. Okay, we've seen a lot of Jeremy Banks, Lante Taylor, saw Theo Jackson, Warren, Warren Burrell have played, Trevon Flowers kind of the same. They played, but on the whole, outside of like a Lante Taylor, you kind of look at that and you go, uh, oh, Tyler Barron, I guess Tyler Barron. You've really seen some nice flashes from him. But outside of that, you kind of go, we'll see how that goes. Uh, I, I hope it turns out well, I, you know, but I'm not sure that's the thing that I really want to be saying about a defense that's about to go play an SEC football season. I, I hope it goes right. I hope it's good. <laughs> but uh, that that was just my my initial look. I looked at that offense and went, that's a pretty good set of players. They, they really shouldn't be too bad. And I looked at that defense and went, I hope Alante is a really good leader, and I hope that a lot of these guys – uh, really meet their potential is how I would put it without without trying to be too cynical. I, I I'll see the product before I get too cynical about it. Yeah, the the two things that stood out to me about the depth chart one, Darnell Wright at left tackle, which we kind of heard that was going to yeah. happen. So this staff is you know he's only played really right tackle at Tennessee. So you decide to go with Cade Mays at right tackle, who's played a lot of guard. I think he's probably he's slimmed down a little bit to slide over the tackle. Darnell Wright, you know, they're trusting to put him in a completely new position over there on the left side of the ball. But, you know, he's protecting, you know, Joe Milton. They they trust him with that. They believe in him to do that. It's just interesting that that's how this staff views him as opposed to the previous staff. Now, obviously, Wanya Morris is gone. That was your previous left tackle. But I thought that was interesting. On the defensive side of the ball, Definitely think Alante Taylor's the guy that's going to lead that unit. He's the senior guy. He's the one that's going to be the leader out there. Jawan Mitchell, he's the linebacker you're going to count on. I trust him. He was really good at Texas. I think it kind of comes down to Jeremy Banks. How much improvement has he made? They're they're playing, a, I guess, a 4-2-5 is what they plan to go with here based on the way the depth chart looks. Do you trust Jeremy Banks out there? Is he that? That's the biggest thing. I I love watching Jeremy Banks play. He's so aggressive, but it's to a fault. And yeah, absolutely. You you, those penalties killed Tennessee at times last year. Just the some of the mindless plays, the the decisions he's made just weren't very smart. I hope he's learned from that, and I hope this defensive staff can kind of reel him in and help him play to his potential. I hope so. Uh, and it it will just be a wait and see 
with with defense. I'm not, I'm not sure that this uh, first game is going to be the greatest indicator of exactly how that defense will look, but um, very interesting nonetheless. Also, you had uh, the, let's see, kick returner was Valus and uh, Tyon Evans. I that's kind of an exciting duo there. Um, punt return Theo Jackson. So the and I think I think Valus is a little banged up going into this first game. I, I'm pretty sure he's, he's going to play, tired. but I'm not not quite sure exactly if we'll see him in the return game or not in this first game. Could could be some other options there too. And the most important announcement of all. Long, sla- long snapper, uh, Matthew Solansky, the guy that we all know, um, who we have all been waiting with bated breath to see play. Uh, a very, very exciting guy from Canada? I don't know. <laughs> where Where is that name from? I know. Poland? He's, I'm sure he's a nice guy. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully. Hey, I, th- it's an important position. Uh, at, at the end of the day, if the long uh, yeah, snapper screws I mean, up. I'd, Butch Jones would be the first to tell you how many times they touch the ball a game, I'm sure. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's not forget. Uh, but that's just a quick uh, t- look at the, the depth chart that got announced today. That, of course, is always cool um, when it actually happens. I was genuinely surprised that that happened. But we'll start off with uh, the latter half of the show by just going, here's the depth chart. Here's what it looks like this team is going to look like. I think you also, we didn't really get into the actual depth. Here's the thing. It's, depth could be an issue with this team. I think that's pretty clear, especially on the defense side of the ball. Um, but with this schedule, let's just go through game by game and kind of See how how we feel. But before we do that, I, I will leave it and say, did you have any final thoughts before we get into this game by game analysis? Any final thoughts on the depth chart, Zach? Yeah, I'm like you. I was kind of surprised there wasn't more or on there because we saw a lot of that under Butch Jones and Jeremy Pruitt. Always like, you know, alluded to. And there was very uh, uh they did Josh Heupel did make it a point today to say that there was no backup quarterback named it is Harrison Bailey or Hendon Hooker. So there is still a little bit of quarterback controversy at Tennessee, even though Milton has been named the starter. And with that said, hope, hopefully, I mean, you even saw, uh, I was watching what, Illinois, uh, Nebraska, Nebraska over the weekend, and it, it didn't, Illinois' quarterback got taken out like one of the first couple of drives of the game, man. And he was like on the sidelines crying. It sucked. Hopefully. You can never you can never have enough quarterback depth. I mean, yes. I've, I've used this as an example before. LSU had four quarterbacks in March: T.J. Finley, Miles Brennan, Max Johnson, and their their freshman, uh, Nussmeier. Yeah, and now they have two. You know, Brennan's hurt. Finley transferred. They've got two. You know, Tennessee's got Mowers transferred or in the portal. Salter's been dismissed. You're down to three. You're one injury away from you know two guys, so uh, you're you're never that far from a walk on, and that's kind of a scary thought. And at the end of the day, Matthew Solansky is there; uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. he'll be <laughs> he's the number four option. <laughs> um, yes, it, it is a it can always be fragile uh, when you get through a couple injuries. Hopefully, that none of that happens. 
if the offensive line does their job well, uh, the chance of that happening is a lot lower. But uh, with that said, Bowling Green, Tennessee, we'll leave that. I guess we, we can start off and say we both are assuming that's a win, but we'll get into what exactly we think will happen with that game here in, in a little bit. So let's start off by saying that Bowling Green's a win. Straight into this Pittsburgh game in, in week two, coming off of a win against Bowling Green. Where are you at, Zach? Uh, without revealing the rest of, of my game, my game here, I'll, I'll tell you, I, I started this list out for myself by writing down what I thought were the automatic wins. And then I wrote down the automatic losses. So that left me with, with a handful of games here uh, that I felt were toss up games. Actually, I, I think I had three, three games that I, that I viewed as toss up games for Tennessee, which is debatable. That's fine. Pittsburgh was one of those games. I, I went back and forth on this game quite a bit because I feel like Tennessee is going to win at least one of those toss up games. It was just a, a matter of which one. And the more I looked at this Pittsburgh game, the more it, I, I really don't like it for Tennessee. Uh, I just don't. I mean, they've got a veteran coach. They've got a, a quarterback, a veteran quarterback coming back in Kenny Pickett. Yep. Pittsburgh was six and five last year. They had two one point losses. So that record could have looked a little better. They lost to Miami and Notre Dame without Pickett at quarterback. They've got they lost a few players to the NFL. They got 13 players coming back for their extra year of eligibility. They got some wide receivers and tight ends coming back. They're deep at linebacker. Their secondary is a little questionable, so I could see this game. I think Pittsburgh's gonna score some points. I think they're gonna give up some points, but Tennessee, you can say the same thing about Tennessee. And I I just think Pittsburgh is more polished. They're they've been doing this under Narduzzi. They've been doing it with this quarterback. They know kind of what they're doing. I I, I just don't love the matchup for Tennessee. I, I, the Bowling Green matchup, I love. I'll get into that later. I, I don't love this matchup for Tennessee. If, maybe if it was later in the year, this early in the season, I have it as a loss. This game is so important. I think it's a real linchpin in the season. Unfortunately, I would really say that because I'm absolutely with you. This is a total toss-up. Who knows what direction this thing is going to go. I think the veteran quarterback probably makes a difference. At the end of the day, the thing that gives me pause in Neyland Stadium, it's also a noon game, yeah. and noon games are always weird. Where just, you know, you can get a team that kind of comes out snoozing, and usually in that scenario, it's not the home team, although, again, you think back to like the Auburn game a few years ago in Pruitt's first year, like that was a weird noon game and Auburn just came out of sleep. <laughs> Tennessee somehow won. Um, so <sighs> this is it's one tough. that I, I flip-flopped on so hard. I will say Tennessee wins this game. though. They do. They, they, from it being that weird combination of a home game and a noon game, uh, they they pull that one out and and there's after that I don't think no matter how that game looks if it's a win there's a lot of excitement at that point because you know you're basically going to be three and zero going into Florida mm -hmm. which is cool uh, 
And so to Tennessee Tech, I think we can both say win um, in the next week on September 18th. Tennessee, Florida, was this just an automatic loss for you? Yeah, definitely. Being in Gainesville, um, I mean, Dan Mullen, I, I, I don't think he's national championship coach, but he's a good coach. And as long as he's at Florida, I think they're always going to be pretty good. I think even when Tennessee hopefully – returns to the level that we expect Tennessee to be at, which is a borderline top 10 team on an annual basis, top 10, top 15. They're always kind of in that range, kind of where Auburn was under Gus Malzahn. I mean, that's kind of my expectation for Tennessee at some point. I think this is always going to be a toss-up game. It's Tennessee, Florida. I mean, how's it not going to be? And right now, I mean, Florida has the advantage. They have the talent advantage. They have – the coaching advantage. I mean, Dan Mullen's more experienced than, than Josh Heupel. He's been doing it in the SEC for a long time. Plus the games in Gainesville. Uh, it's it's hard for me to imagine Tennessee winning this game short of Florida just falling apart. I think it would, it would take a borderline miracle. This is my take on this game every single year. Tennessee loses to Florida until they don't. That's it. It's a loss until it's not. Uh, you know, one out of the last, however many it's been now, th- 13, 14. Oh, um, well, no, it's like 17. I guess they met the 2016 and it's 2021 now. 2016, that was one out of the last 11 in 2016. And then it's been an additional four. So yeah, like one out of the last 15. Oh, that's depressing. That is depressing, folks. But maybe one day. Like I said, it's a loss until it's not, as far as I'm concerned. So that's a loss in the Swamp. Now, this is the most interesting stretch of the entire season at this point. October 2nd, so just a week later, still no bye week or anything. Uh, Tennessee at Missouri. Josh Heupel's old school. Where you at? Yeah, this was uh, my second toss-up game on the list. It's it's another tough one. I think Missouri's pretty pretty decent offensively. I mean, I, I kind of think honestly, Missouri under under Drinkwitz is kind of what should expect from Heupel. Yeah, this is a team that beat LSU last year. They know how to score some points. It's away. Uh, I'm 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 going to lean towards Missouri in this game if I'm being rational. Um, which is it's tough. Uh, I just, if you take emotion out of it, logically you should say the team with the more experienced coach should win this game because he's already won a couple of big games and had a pretty decent first season. So the advantage goes to him with the game being at home. So I go Missouri, yep. and I would have Tennessee at I would have Tennessee at two and three at this point because it's at Missouri. I go. This is a win for for Missouri. Um, that's yeah. Dr- Drinkwitz should be getting it together a little bit more this season. One, you know, beat LSU last year, had a little bit of hype, and I yeah, I think Missouri wins that one in a toss up. And then uh, the next week again, still no buy. October 9th, South Carolina at Tennessee. So back to Neyland. You do play uh, four of your first six at Neyland and that's a nice uh reprieve problem well really it's uh 
five five year first seven at Neil. Yeah. Uh because old miss is a kneeling too. Uh so South Carolina. What do you think? Yeah, this one I actually put down as an automatic win. Uh oh wow. Tennessee's better in South Carolina talent wise. Uh they beat them last year. I'm I I'll be honest, I don't get the Shane Beamer hire. It seemed out of left field whenever they fired Muschamp and went to him before anybody else had really made a move. I mean, it was like he was their guy no matter what. And that was always curious to me. Not, I mean, I could be totally wrong. Maybe he'll be great. Maybe they, they know something I don't. I'm sure they do. They wouldn't have hired him otherwise. I mean, they've invested a lot of money in him. I, I like the matchup for Tennessee. I think, I think Tennessee will have the better offense here. Um, it's a home game. South Carolina is not going to be very good. They weren't very good last year. I don't really see them improving a ton this year. I think we're seeing South Carolina after the Spurrier era kind of re- return to being the South Carolina we were used to them being for so many years. So, uh, yeah, I have this down as a win for Tennessee. I don't know that I would say it is an automatic win in the same way that you did, but I would say this should definitely be a win for Tennessee. <laughs> I'm Totally with you on the Shane Beamer thing. I it's sort of this idea, the analysis that I saw was like, oh, he's he's set up so great to be a CEO. He's got all the traits of a CEO, but he's never been a head coach anywhere at any time. If I'm thinking correctly, mm-hmm. he's a Pruitt. Um, and I don't like those chances in in first year. Heupel, yes, he hasn't been there, done that as a head coach in the SEC, but he has been there and done that as a head coach. And in this one. Better talent, theoretically better coach, Tennessee wins. And then the the fun one. <laughs> the next week, Lane Kiffin comes to Neyland Stadium, Old Miss at Tennessee. What do you think, Zach? Yeah, this this was a uh, automatic loss that I put down for Tennessee. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> You know, Lane Kiffin is Lane Kiffin. He he's gonna be good offensively. He's going to s- store points on you. He he's going to have some swagger when he's out there. His teams are gonna have some swagger. They're also gonna lose some games that they probably shouldn't lose. I mean, it's gonna be the same Lane Kiffin we saw at USC. It's gonna be the same Lane Kiffin we've known to <laughs> love and hate over the past twelve years. But in this matchup, he's he's been in the SEC for a year. He's been a head coach again for several years now. He he's done good things at Alabama as an offensive coordinator at FAU. He's he's gonna want to beat Tennessee in Neyland. It's gonna be the first time he comes back to Neyland as a head coach since he left in two thousand nine or early two thousand ten. This game is going to be extremely important to Lane Kiffin. It's not gonna mean much to Josh Heifel. Josh Heupel probably doesn't care that much about Lane Kiffin in Tennessee. He, he's coached against Lane Kiffin before. It's just going to be another game for Josh Heupel. Uh, but but Kiffin, I just think he's he's going to be hard to handle for Alabama in the SEC yeah. West. I think Alabama, I think Nick Saban is going to be very concerned about that game. So no, there's there's no way I really think Tennessee wins this game. See, I don't really get why Ole Miss doesn't have more hype going into this season. They are very much a they're going as far as Matt. Mac uh, Corral takes them. Corral, Coral. Um, they're going as far as he takes them, and that kid is uh, good. I mean, he's on the Heisman watch list. He looked really dynamic at times last year, a lot of the time last year. Um, 
And so given a whole off season to get even better with under Lane Kiffin, I, I mean, I, I just think, yeah, their defense is probably still not going to be very good, <laughs> but how much does that matter if you can score 50 points a game? And so I think this is a win for Ole Miss. I think it could be something like Tennessee. It's very close, maybe tied. Maybe Tennessee even has a lead at halftime, something like that. And then in the second half, it just gets Oh, yeah, Tennessee will score some points in this game, but yeah, I, I think Ole Miss will score more. <laughs> yeah, I, I, exactly. That's exactly it. I, and I'm not sure it'll be super close. Like, it might be one of those where you go, the final score is not indicative of exactly how it goes because you, maybe at the end of the game, Ole Miss just lays a couple touchdowns on you really quick or something. Um, but that, yeah, that's a, a win for Ole Miss. And unfortunately, I, I wish, because that... Man, that would be such a hype win. Be able to beat Lane Kiffin and mm-hmm. ugh, God. And then the third Saturday in October, you go to Alabama and you lose. Okay, so Tennessee and Kentucky on November 6th, skipping forward <laughs> and over Alabama. Uh, let's just call that one a loss. Um, Tennessee at Kentucky. This might be the most interesting game on the schedule to me. Um, and a real, real toss-up. It, it, in terms of toss-up, it, it hits me very similar to the Pittsburgh game where I just go like, man, I do not know. I don't know. Yeah, this was definitely my third toss-up game on the schedule. And I, when, I, when I wrote this schedule down, like I said, I had, I had three, three toss-up games, and I said, Tennessee's going to win one of these. I don't know which one, but they're going to win one. In Missouri, Pittsburgh, and Kentucky. I think it's the Kentucky game. Uh, Kentucky's really, by Kentucky standards, hyped going into this season. It seems like a lot of people have picked them, what, a lot of people, have, seems like they've had them third in the SEC. I've seen finishing behind Florida and Georgia, ahead of Tennessee and, and Missouri. I don't know. Kentucky just doesn't have the talent. Mark Stoops is a good coach. But offensively, Tennessee has so much more talent than Kentucky, even without Eric Gray and some of those guys. And this is late in the year. It's November 6th. I think Josh Heupel by then should really be finding his groove, should be playing pretty well. Quarterback situation, whether it's still Milton or maybe they've went to Bailey or Hooker by then, whoever it is should be ironed out. Heupel's also 4-1 and one in his career after an off week. His only loss was last year. Uh, coming off of an off week. So he typically does fairly well after a bye week, which this game is is after a bye week because Tennessee does not play on Halloween weekend. I think this is a game that a lot of the national people have Kentucky winning, but I, yeah, I think Tennessee will pull this one out just because offensively they're so much better and they can outscore Kentucky. I don't know what happened last year, but it felt like a total anomaly. It kind of felt like sort of in Pruitt's first year, um, except exactly flipped, where Pruitt's first year, Kentucky had this, oh, they're so good, and and Tennessee went in and beat them by like 20. Um, It was just inexplicable. You're like, I don't know how that happened, but it did. And then last year, Kentucky comes in, and you just go, how how do you lose to Kentucky by 30? How? How do you do that? Who who has ever lost to a Mark Stoops-Kentucky team by 30? Ever? Like, go and look at how many times they've won by 30 points against an SEC team. That might be the only time it's ever happened. (laughs) Genuinely. Obviously, I have not fact-checked that, but I would not be surprised. (laughs) 
I, I genuinely would not be surprised. I mean, that, yeah, that team is not made to score a ton of points. They're basically no. running like the Air Force offense over there. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. And so uh, I I think we return to a little more normalcy. Tennessee pulls out a win, crushes Kentucky's soul. <laughs> it's similar to how I feel about Florida. It's a loss for Tennessee until it's not. I kind of think about the Kentucky game most years. It's a win for Tennessee until it's not. Uh, and and yeah, we might have weird anomalies like just a 30-point loss when Tennessee's coach is a complete doofus. Uh, but I say ten- Tennessee pulls that one out. Next week, Georgia comes to Tennessee. Any thoughts other than a loss on this one? Just that it's weird the game's November 13th. Other, other than that, there's <laughs> not much thoughts. I'm used to that game being like October 9th or something, so that is... Always strange if that game's played in uh, middle of November like that. I mean, it's gonna it's gonna be another year for Georgia where they just, I mean, they have probably top five talent in America and a top forty coach, <laughs> Kirby Smart. <laughs> I mean, and maybe one day he'll he'll meet uh, that talent's potential, but until I see it, I, you know, look. George is going to win that game. Um, they're, they're by force of will. This is Kirby with that talent has gotten him to the point where he could coach a horrific game. And he has in his time mm-hmm. at Georgia against oh, yeah. Tennessee. He lost mm-hmm. to Butch Jones. So let's be honest. Um, and uh, so, he can never undo that. He, yeah. he will always, will always be able to say that about him. No matter what. That's a stench that doesn't wear off. Uh, but I, I Georgia wins that one just like I said yeah. by sheer force of will they just they got so much more talent than Tennessee does and Tennessee it's going to take a while to get back up to that level next week South Alabama Tennessee that's should be should be uh, a snoozer and then November 27th Vandy so to me this Vandy game is the difference between six and six and seven and five the way that I've I've called this and uh, I have it as the difference in five and five and seven and six and, and six. six. So, as we've seen so many times before, the Vanderbilt game comes down to a bowl game appearance. That seems like it happens way too often over the last nine years, ten years. But that's what I have. I think both of our predictions are very likely. Um, so I say Tennessee makes a bowl game essentially no matter what. They seal up the bowl game against South Alabama. But uh, what say you about uh, Tennessee's bowl status? Yeah, yeah, I have them at six and six, and as long as they don't self-impose a bowl ban or the NCAA just get puts in an express lane and decides to bring down a ruling before December, which is never going to happen, kill me. Then we'll play in a bowl game. Yes, um, Vanderbilt's pep- not. They're going to be bad, very bad. Yeah, Vandy. St- Thanks. And I am pretty confident. It's, I mean, Tennessee crushed Vandy last year. Yeah. <laughs> and that's one of the worst seasons of Tennessee football I've ever witnessed. Uh, and Tennessee still smacked Vandy around. They, they should be very, very bad. And I would be shocked if they are, I would be shocked if they are just bad. <laughs> like that would be credit to, to who's the coach of, um, Clark Lee. Clark Lee. Credit to Clark Lee if they just stink. And I don't even I'm know why you can really suck. The Vanderbilt head coaching job anymore. I mean, James Franklin is like the only one that's been able to. I mean, he got out just in time. 
before they found out that he might be a fraud. He knew. <laughs> he knew what he... Credit to James Franklin forever. I mean... He, he took advantage of some bad Tennessee teams. Like, yep. Tennessee was not able to take advantage of bad Florida teams under Muschamp and McIlwain. Franklin actually did take advantage of bad Tennessee teams and parlayed that into a pretty nice gig at Penn State. I mean, eight wins at Vandy? That's a miracle worker. So, hey... Clark Lee, I'm sorry. We'll see you back in uh, D2 in about three years. Uh, or back, I guess, maybe you... No, he'll be, yeah, he'll be a defensive guess. coordinator. Yeah, yeah, he'll be a defensive coordinator somewhere. <laughs> Auburn. He'll, he'll go back to... Where did he come from? Stanford or whatever? Uh, he's at Notre Dame? Notre Dame, Notre, Notre Dame. Dame. Notre, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. One of those snooty schools. Um, <laughs> so, I say seven and five. I even surprised myself because I... I laid this out and then I went, that's six and six, right? And then I counted up and I was like, oh, that's seven and five. And if you told me when Hypel was hired that in the first year I would predict that he was going to go seven and five, I'd be like, what? No, there's no way he goes seven and five, but you break it down with the schedule. As I mentioned, that pick game is such a linchpin mm-hmm. because it it does kind of dictate whether in that final game of the season, you're fighting for, for a bowl game or fighting uh, for, for a seven win season. So honestly, I mean, if everything goes, if everything goes great, I mean, it, if everything goes perfect, eight and five is the ceiling here because Missouri on on my in Missouri and Pittsburgh winnable. I know you have Missouri would be on your end as a winnable at at eight and or eight and four. I mean, Mm -hmm. um, I mean, an eight-win season being feasible in year one is crazy. I mean, it's absolutely crazy. But at the same time, on my list, if they lose all three toss-up games, five and seven is possible. And how do you feel if five and seven is what happens this year? I'm not jumping for joy, but I would come away and say I get it. Anything under five and seven, I'm pessimistic. I'm Absolutely. Not, yeah. not having a good time because it means that you lost all of South Carolina, Kentucky, Missouri. Uh, and I guess you would still beat Vandy in that scenario. You only you beat Vandy in the three snoozers. That's all, you know, four, four Ooh, wins. Yeah. That's mm, not one good. In, one in seven in the SECs. I mean, that's yeah. Yeah, that is not good. And I, I would be a little 2017 Butch Jones level. Mm-hmm. And so and and you think. Let's do discuss this. This was something I I don't know how valid this is. Somebody tweeted at us. Let's see if we can find it. Um, and said that he had heard on the radio that Tennessee, by the numbers, had the he said heard on the radio. This is Batval heard on the radio earlier that Tennessee is ranked 19th in D1 for overall talent. Didn't know if y'all had discussed this. Love the show, Batval. Appreciate you, uh, and appreciate this comment. Um, I don't, I don't know the validity of that or where that necessarily came from. If he heard it on on one of the, you know, I guess fall vol calls was going on when he tweeted that at us. So I don't think it would have come from there. Where he got that, maybe. But I, you know, you look at all like when's the last time Tennessee even had a recruiting class outside of the top twenty five? Like, there's talent on this squad. There is talent on this squad, and guys. Even even on the side of the ball like defense, where it's a lot more unknown, you still have guys who have really flashed. Um, as stereotypical as that sounds, I apologize to use a, a nerdy, you know, recruiting analyst word like that. But really, 
that it is true. Like you've seen like, uh, 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 who's the frick? I, I, why am I blanking on, on names? Like Tyler Barron. I, I mentioned him earlier. Just totally blanking on names. Dang it. A guy like that where you've seen like, oh, this kid might, might really do something. And maybe he really turns a corner. He, he pulls a Grant Williams or something and just really goes from one year to the next where you're like, oh, well, Grant Williams is good from the time he was a freshman. But, you know, just really makes makes a big time splash. Things can change. Maybe Joe Milton is the truth. Obviously, I mean, if, if you watch college football in the last few years, in the last decade, really, it's all in quarterback play, man. If you have a great, a transcendent quarterback, a Joe Burrow, a Cam Newton, a Johnny Manziel, a whoever, well, think about it can be the whole thing. Think about those guys, though. Joe Burrow, well, not, not Manziel, but Joe Burrow, Cam Newton, uh, Baker Mayfield, Jalen Hurts, uh, Kyler Murray, I, I don't know if him as well. Yeah. What do all those guys have in common? I mean, they're all transfer quarterbacks. They all, uh, you know, that's Joe Milton. I mean, is it maybe Justin system. Fields? I mean, who? Yeah, I mean, who? Some guys that just that seems to be the trend. Them. That seems to be the trend these days. And you know, we've talked about Joe Milton and his physical tools, so. Let's it speak it into existence. <laughs> speak it into existence. Four-star recruit. It's not like he was just, you know, a big guy. Just, people have always saw talent. I actually went back, speaking of this, I went back today and was reading some Jim Harbaugh interviews from when they signed Joe Milton. And, man, they could not quit raving about his arm talent in high school and just hmm. what he could do with the football. So, maybe you know, we'll see. But <laughs> Yeah, there's definitely talent. And, and and even though Tennessee lost players to the portal, like Eric Gray and Henry Toto, Keyshawn Lawrence, a lot of these guys, uh, Wanya Morris, key guys, they still added guys like Milton, uh, Jawan Mitchell, uh, Javante Payton. I mean, they added some solid players to, re- you know, not necessarily replace those guys, but still three and four star guys. So top 25, top 30 talent at the worst, even if you account for the portal. I mean, this should be a borderline top 25 team with who they have on the roster, in my opinion. This team should not be bad at all. That's that's the way that I would put it. They should not be bad. So you should beat South Carolina. You should whip Vandy. You should really beat those bad teams. And then it should be a little closer with Kentucky, but you should... should still win, toss up with Missouri, probably lose to Ole Miss. Here's <laughs> this got brought up last week when I, if you haven't listened to last week's episode, I, I chopped it up with an old friend of mine, Jake, who he's lifelong Tennessee fan, Tennessee alum, just like myself. Uh, he is the Homer of Homers. Um, and he presented this scenario, and I'll ask you, Zach, Tennessee beats Pitt. And you come off, people are excited. Like I said, I don't. You win that game in any way, shape, or form, and you look and you go, "We're going to be three and zero going into the mm-hmm. swamp." There's going to be hype. Is there any chance Tennessee wins in the swamp? This <laughs> here, here's the thing. Here's how I feel about 
Josh Heupel at Tennessee. It kind of makes me think of Mike Leach at Mississippi State. I, I don't necessarily think Tennessee's ever going to compete for a national championship under Josh Heupel. I still believe he's the guy before the guy. I think there's going to be a coach after Heupel that's able to take Tennessee to the next level. I don't see I, – I just don't see it. But I do think he's going to be a guy that gets Tennessee back to eight, nine, maybe ten wins a year in some good years. Maybe maybe everything goes right and it, it goes better. Who knows? But like with Mike Leach, I think Tennessee is going to win some games that they have no business winning because of that offense. Because there's going to be some nights when that offense just hits on all cylinders and the defense has no answer. And maybe Tennessee's defense plays well that night. I mean, I'm not saying it's not possible because Heupel... Heupel's playing some big games. He's coaching some big games. He spent a lot of time at Oklahoma. He coached under Bob Stoops. He's not going to be intimidated going into the swamp. He's not going to be Butch Jones going into the swamp looking around and thinking, I can't believe I'm here right now. He's not going to be Jeremy Pruitt where he's never coached a game. He's never been a head coach at all where he's going through the whole season as a head coach for the first time. Heupel has so much that these previous head coaches haven't had that he's not going to have to adjust for. He is, he knows his system. He has his staff. He's putting in his plan. It's business as usual for Josh Heifel. It's just a different, his paycheck's coming from a different place. So while Florida has a talent advantage, if everything was to go right, yeah, sure. It, it could happen. I don't think it'll happen, but I wouldn't rule it out. No. November 4th, 2017. Josh Heifel is the offensive coordinator at Missouri. And they drug Florida 45 to 16. Now a different coach was at the helm of Florida at that point. But the man has done it. I will say that much. He, 45 to 16. I mean, they laid the wood on Florida. New quarterback of Florida. Kind of some questions there. If Emory Jones isn't the guy, where do they turn? Sort of some stuff like that. I'm not saying in any way it's going to happen. I already said my prediction is that's a loss until it's not. Mm -hmm. But think about the mentality of this fan base if that does happen. Oh, it will be the 2012 Florida Ooh. game. That's what it'll be. When Tennessee had beat NC State, which is kind of akin to the Pittsburgh game this year, uh, where it's a game that I remember. I remember the lead up to that NC State game so well. I remember Michael Felder uh, used to cover college football for Bleacher Report. I'm not sure yeah. where where he does now. I remember him going on a local radio show. It might have been with Swain uh, and and uh, at the time, and him talking about how. NC State was going to win that game. And I remember being so hype after Cordero Patterson just just took it to task, took them to task on a Friday night in Atlanta and won that game. So excited. I think they – I can't remember who they beat after that, maybe Akron or whatever. And then College Game Day was in town and the Florida game, it was a night game. That was one of the – Best pregame atmospheres I've seen in Knoxville in a long time. The Vol Walk was insane that night. That's that's the type of atmosphere you would get, I think. Especially coming off of a pandemic year. Oh. 
three and zero after everything they did, you, you wouldn't have to worry about selling tickets to that game. No, it would be instant sellout. Uh, <laughs> it would be crazy. And again, in no way do I think that is going. Oh, to why did you do this? As of this moment, <laughs> but just think if that happened. And if you want to hear me and my old friend, him bring that up and say all of that, and it—I mean, it gave me chills just talking about it last week. It was great. I—I I really enjoyed that conversation. Go, go back and listen. That was a great episode with Jake. Go back and listen to it if you haven't. Um, but. That's he just brought that one up and I was like, oh, man, let's not do this. Mm. Let's not. I do. I was at that Florida game in 2012. I had gone to game day that morning. Me and Jake, actually, I was there with him. I have a picture of me and him. Uh, We were in the second row with a couple of our other friends. ESPN. I still have this picture on my phone. ESPN was showing from behind the line of scrimmage towards the end zone. We were in the second row in the end zone, and I still have a picture of me and Jake, a couple of our other friends yelling in the end zone in the second row at that game where we were like, they zoomed in on our faces on ESPN. Um, yeah, find out, maybe tweet it out if I, I'm pretty sure I still have it on my phone. Um, I, th- I think I was in a corner, like a corner end zone, lower level for that game. Maybe it was a madhouse. I I, rem- I remember specifically. This is so off the point, but you just you made me think of it. I remember <laughs> specifically we were second row in the end zone, right next to the tunnel uh, where the players ran in, or maybe one section from the tunnel. And so all the Florida players like funneled past us at halftime, and Tennessee led. Tennessee had the lead yeah, at yeah. halftime in that mm-hmm. game, and I remember. We, I had a shouting match with a Florida football player where I yelled and I was like, this is it. We got you. Like just some sort of like <laughs> you're done for. And the dude was like, oh, Brent, you know, and he yelled back at me. I'll always remember that. And then he, as always happens, Florida gets the last laugh. But I'll tell you what my <laughs> most vivid memory of the second half of that game was everybody in the section around me just cursing Sal Sanceri. Oh, it was just man. Nonstop. That was me all season. I, dude, the freaking South Carolina game that year. It uh-huh. ends. We're, Tennessee's going That's on what? Stacked, yeah. Tennessee's going on what would have been a game-winning drive against Jadavian Cloudy and and South Carolina and Spurrier and oh my goodness, and the freaking strip sack of Tyler Bray by it was Clowney, right? If I'm yeah, remembering yeah. correctly. Yep. I threw my glasses at the wall and shattered them. <laughs> Like I was like, damn you, Derek that was Dooley. Tough because oh man, I believe the the Georgia game was very close that year too. It yes, was like it a was one store game. There was God. like every loss that year outside of the Alabama game, which was some crazy anomaly that Derek Dooley lost by thirty one points. I think every single year, thirty some points every single year to Alabama. It was the same margin of loss every year. It was very odd, but. Every game, it seemed like, was a very close loss. And uh, the Missouri game was especially maddening that year, too. Man. And the Troy game that, that they almost oh, yeah. lost was... Those both went into long overtimes. Yes. They? Missouri yes. and Troy both did. Yes. <laughs> I think Tyler Bray has some records because of that Troy game. Yes, he does. We have actually talked about this with some friends. Yeah, probably so, day. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that It's so weird. 
Anyway, we went off way off the reservation there. Um, a Bowling Green, yeah. How do you? <laughs> so let's we'll cross that Florida. What might happen there? We'll cross that bridge when it gets here. Let's see if Tennessee can win this Bowling Green game first. Zach, uh, you have done a little more research than me. I'm actually in the middle of moving houses this week. It's going to be an absolutely insane week for me. I haven't had a ton of time to dive. Uh, unfortunately, into <laughs> Bowling Green. But uh, you have some. What do you think of these guys? Yeah, this is a pretty fortunate season opener for Tennessee. Bowling Green's pretty bad. They were 0-5 last year, uh, pandemic-shortened year. They lost every game by at least 25 points. Oof. Um, they gave up an average of 310 yards per game on the ground alone. Like Tennessee might not even have to really pass the ball against Bowling Green. They'll be able to run all day against them. And the run defense isn't going to be any better. They lost a couple of their best uh, defensive linemen to the transfer portal. They're actually their two top defensive linemen hit the transfer portal. Um, secondary was okay, but I mean, that's just because teams that really didn't have to pass against them. Uh, offensively, Bowling Green averaged 11 points per game last year. 11. I'm they lost looking. their top three. They <laughs> lost their top three wide receivers, or their top three receivers. They lost their, their main tight end, which is one of their best players, and their top two wide receivers. Their leading returning receiver from last year caught six passes for 97 yards. Their quarterback, Matt McDonald, uh, threw one touchdown and six interceptions last year. 44% completion rate. I mean, there, there's nothing good about Bowling Green that says that this is going to be a big challenge for Tennessee. They should be able to score against them, and this team's not going to put up points. I mean, this is the perfect opponent for Tennessee's defense where they're this brand-new defense. You know, even if Tennessee tries some things on offense, they go three and out, they really shouldn't have that much pressure on the defense. You know, 11 points per game, what do you – what's going to happen you know it's it's doesn't look good for bowling green i think i saw i think it was the athletic that ranked all 130 fbs teams and they had bowling green like 120th or something out of 130 so it wasn't yeah nobody's really expecting them to to do much the only i'm looking at just these stat differentials on on cfbstats.com for bowling green the only if i'm looking at this correctly the only stat that they had that was better than their opponent last year, that was better. They had, uh, let's, um, they were tied in, with their opponent in, oh no, I, in punt return yards. They were tied at oh. five, in punt return yards. They were tied with opponents per return, five yards per return. But the only stat, that they were better than their opponent with was PAT kicking success. One of their opponents missed a PAT and they made all six. (laughs) All six. Wow. In five games. Six touchdowns in five games. Uh, That's the the only stat. And some of these differentials, opponents, 45 points, Bowling Green, 11.4, like you said. Wow. First downs, 119 for opponents, 78 for Bowling Green. Rushing yards per attempt, 6.3 for opponents, 4.87 for Bowling Green. 
Uh, yeah, that's pretty rough. They're they're going to be. Uh, that means they were running the ball fifty times a game. Yes, on Bowling Green, <laughs> just because they knew they didn't. That's all they had to do. That's I, that is rough. That is pretty hilarious. I mean, I, mean, I know Tennessee's playbook's not going to be super expansive under Josh Heupel, but they're not going to have to show much against Bowling Green for Pittsburgh to see. So I think this, they will be a, a little vanilla. Yeah, this game does really play into hopefully week two success for me because it gives Tennessee the opportunity to go out and gain confidence, get a little momentum, get a little chemistry, and also not have to flex too much and show a whole lot, ideally. I mean, good Lord, if you have to flex in this game against this team, we're going to have some problems. No, look, um, if you win 17 to 14, then let's just go ahead and start the coaching search. Yeah, we'll just go we'll ahead and start tracking planes. Yeah. Well, with Hypo, what we've said with the depth chart, offense looking decent, defense looking, we'll see. How are you feeling about Bowling Green? Final score prediction for this one. Oh. Um, I would I'll write say... this down so we can discuss it next week. Okay. This feels like the Austin P game for the Butch Jones era, you know, where it really wasn't necessarily indicative of what we were going to see from Tennessee the whole season because uh, Tennessee blew out Austin P in, in 2013. I, actually, I believe that was eight years ago to the day today. I think it was August 31st, 2013. If I remember that oddly enough correct, correctly. Hmm. But uh, I would go 41 to 10 Tennessee over Bowling Green Thursday night. All right. It's actually a little more conservative than I think uh, I would go. I think Tennessee just racks them. Um, maybe Joe Milton doesn't play fourth court. Like we actually get to see a little Harrison Bailey. I will say Tennessee, I don't know the, the exact number that they'll land on. I don't think they make 60. But I'll say 52 for Tennessee. Bowling Green, 14. I'll say Bowling Green. Well, they six whole so touchdowns. You're going to have them there. I'm, I'm giving Bowling Green credit there. Um, yeah. uh, okay, 10. I'll do 10 also. So okay. 52 okay. to 10 and 41 to 10. So I, I say Tennessee wins by 42. Covers. you. They don't cover in your scenario. That's not a yeah, what's the, what is What's the spread? What is it? I want to say 30 I was actually talking about this with friends of mine earlier today if we were going to take it or not I haven't even looked uh, 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 uh. let me see if I can find it it was something like 34 I want to say uh, that, would, that would feel about right because that is right on the ooh 35 and a half mm. that's heavy Man, that's that a lot is, of well, points that's, yeah, that's, that's tough yeah so because you don't know how Tennessee will play it in the second half. It's a new coach. You, you really don't know. Exactly. Like maybe you lead. There. Like you said with that Austin P game, like wasn't Tennessee up at the half at like 42 to zero or something? Yeah. And they, they uh, and they just quit. It was actually eight years ago, August 31st. Maybe when people hear, well, they won 45 to nothing. They were up 42 to nothing at halftime. So they scored okay. three points in the second half. Yes. Yeah. So it could be a situation like that. I just feel like Heupel, Heupel might let his guys go out there and get some reps and try. And, and even even in some of the backup positions on the offensive side of the ball, you got some talent and he might want to try 
to get some dudes in there and try to build depth. I mean, right now, already mentioned that that could be a problem for Tennessee and that that pit game is looming. Um, and so I wish that was a night kickoff, especially with the new uh, stadium lights. Like, why is this? Why is this the night game and then noon for an actually interesting game? But yeah, noon for Tennessee Tech, I get. I mean, that game yeah, time's yeah. already been announced. Noon, yeah, nobody's gonna watch that at eight o'clock on on SEC Network. That's fine. Get out of the way. Go about your day. Have fun that evening. This is definitely this game. They probably looked at the schedule and they just went, "Look, Tennessee fans get us ratings. Let's slap it on Thursday night when nothing. Else. I mean, what else? What are the other games that's on true. That Thursday it's night? It's true. I'm not sure, but I'm sure that's the marquee." matchup i would think i mean tennessee's gonna be true. a shoe in for ratings yeah that's probably why they get a lot of noon games is because they know they'll tune in to noon games where maybe wisconsin fans aren't gonna tune in to, to noon they're gonna wait you know only watch if it's a night game and here after this first weekend of games here's also a question uh that i have for you zach does scott frost make it past week six as nebraska's mm. head coach I think he probably does just because the coaching carousel tends to not really start until November. Uh, really gets kicked up. I think typically that's how long they wait. But his buyout, I think, is like $20 million. Uh, And that that doesn't really drop anytime soon until I think after next year. I'm not really positive on that. But it's not like it goes down drastically even after that. So Nebraska's going to owe him a ton of money no matter when they fire him. But yeah, after losing to Illinois do not think he's going to make it past this year at all. That is brutal. If that really is like his bio. Well, he just signed an extension high. kind of like when, uh, when Pruitt did, I think, I think he signed an extension and he had less success than Pruitt at that time. After the 2019 season, I think they went like five and seven in 2019. He's never had a winning year at Nebraska. They went ahead and extended him. So that's, if you can believe it, there was an extension more ill-advised than the Pruitt extension. <laughs> uh, don't even get me started. I just, I won't. I no comment. <laughs> no comment on the old Pruitt I- extension. There is on that Thursday night the only game that will be better. Uh, Tennessee is on ESPN. If uh, let's see, yep. No, no, no. SEC Network. Um, with that game. So what is on? And Boise State UCF is on ESPN. So <laughs> did Tennessee get big timed by UCF Boise State? Well, I think SEC SEC just gets there. They get their yeah. team. That, that is, yeah, it makes sense on the SEC network. And obviously, everybody will still tune in. But Ohio State at Minnesota is that night. And it same exact uh, 8 p.m. I bet Gus Johnson will be on the call. Yeah. That's, oh, that's, I love Gus Johnson. That's going to be a great game. It's well, I don't know. Minnesota might suck, but um, I'm sure Ohio State's just gonna smash them. But oh, yeah, that's it, man. Well, let's see. Uh, oh, and I, I'll, I'll make a note here also. You said you said six and six, and I said mm-hmm. seven and five. I still can't believe seven and five was my prediction. And in like a real reasoned, not just I'm not being emotional, like, oh, I think they, you know, seven and five will be a great year. And that seems unrealistic. But no, seven and five feels like 
That could happen. Oh yeah. I think seven and five and six and six are both like pretty decently mm-hmm. likely outcomes for the season, I think. So we shall see. Game week, folks. I'm Charlie Burris. That is Zach Reagan. Thank you so, so, so much for listening. Uh, as I mentioned, if you haven't listened to last week's episode, go back and listen uh, to that one. We we ended up not like promoting it as much as we should have. We didn't get all the listens that I wanted on it. And so go listen to that now. We'll promote the heck out of this one because, well, it's game week. And a really exciting announcement coming a little bit later this week. Watch out for that on A to Z Sports Nashville.com. Well, actually, just now it's A to Z Sports.com. They got a new, yes. they got yes. this yeah. as of Monday, last yes. Monday. It's just A to Z Sports.com. Uh, exciting announcement there involving yours truly coming later this week. And that is that. Any parting thoughts, Zach? Yeah, I'm just glad we're a couple of days away and, uh, Really love this version of Rocky Top the more I hear it. So hype, dude. It's so hype. All right. That's it. Uh, iTunes, Spotify, A to Z Sports Podcast Network, feed at Charlie underscore Burris, at Zach TNT, at A to Z Sports, blah, blah, blah. You know what to do. You've made it this far. Thank you again for listening, and we'll talk to y'all next week. See you guys later. Oh,